So today is the 28th of March, 2021. We've gathered together in order to study the Dhamma, the teachings of the Lord Buddha. And the Lord Buddha taught that all phenomena, all conditioned things are impermanent, ever-changing, that all sankharas are anicca. And if we see that all phenomena are impermanent, and this is understanding the true Dhamma, the truth of the way things are. We see that these minds cling to the body and this, uh, and the mind clings and attaches to the body as a self. We see that having been born, there's this strong attachment to the body and this strong tendency to be lost in delusion regarding the body. And when we're lost, then we forget to practice the Dhamma. We get lost in all the uh, phenomena and all the six senses that we meet with, whether uh, sounds, tastes, uh, touches, visual objects, smells, or mental objects. And we get lost in these things of the world, lost in the pleasure of the senses. And the Buddha taught that all conditioned things are impermanent, uh, ever-changing, unstable. And when a practitioner of the Dhamma sees this according to the truth, or when the practitioner sees the truth, then they see impermanence and see that all phenomena are dukkha, unsatisfactory and suffering. They can't last. They're unable to sustain themselves. So all phenomena, all Dhammas, one shouldn't cling to any of them. They're all not a me, not a mind, not a self. Practicing in this way is the way to purity, it's the way to Nibbana. And this is the object of vipassana practice, of clear seeing practice. So we see that we have a liking for the mind to have wisdom. We like this wisdom, knowledge, and uh, insight, knowledge. So we may ask, how, how do we give rise to insight, knowledge? this knowledge of wisdom, how do we do that? Well, the answer is just this practice of Dhamma that we're undertaking. In the beginning, we may not understand the practice of Dhamma very much. We listen to the great teachers, the Krubhajans teach us to have mindfulness, to be restrained in virtue, in the precepts. And for the monastic Sangha, uh, to practice sense restraint, so we know the six senses, the, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind, the six inner and outer sense bases come into contact with sense objects. And based on this contact, then feeling arises, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And then based and regarding this feeling, then there's attachment and clinging. And this happens very quickly. So we can see this cause and effect, this chain of cause and effect. So we practice to have mindfulness with this cause and effect. And in order to, and we practice to cut off this process to cut off birth. And cutting off birth is cutting off the sense of self, cutting off attachment. And this is the Dhamma that the Buddha taught. There's an easy way to understand this, a teaching that Lumpu Cha gave. He said, if you have a heavy stone, 
and you don't lift it, then you don't feel that it's heavy. But if you lift it, then you feel that it's heavy. So whenever you lift it, that's when the experience of heaviness arises. And this is upadana, this is clinging and attachment. So the same way with the objects that come into contact with the mind. If the mind has no attachment and just sees them arise, stay for a little while and pass away, and sees that these sense phenomena are just as they are. And see that there's really no being there. Things are just as they are. There's no me or mine in them. There's no self, there's no owner. This is seeing anatta, this is the arising of wisdom seeing that all sankharas are impermanent. So practice to see this clearly, to see that phenomena are ever-changing. There's no self in phenomena, no me or you or mine. And seeing this clearly, then no suffering arises. And this is the way we practice in order to bring the mind to purity, to freedom. So we have effort with this practice. And for the monastic sangha, we practice to have restraint at all times. For example, restraint in eating. We practice to eat enough. If one is getting fatter and fatter every day, then this is uh, the way of indulgence, the way of indulging in pleasure. So we, we eat just enough. We eat enough in order to have energy to practice. And we don't eat uh, so much that we get fatter. And we eat to make our health good. If we eat a lot, then this will lead to sleeping a lot. And when we sleep a lot, then the body uh, produces more fat cells. And with this uh, too much eating and sleeping, then the mind doesn't realize peacefulness. This is the mind lost in the pleasure of sleep. So I saw this myself uh, in the practice. If one rests too much, sleeps too much, then the mind is drowsy. And it can take up to an hour or about an hour for the mind to uh, get out of this drowsy state after waking. If mindfulness is very good, then the mind can wake up more quickly and easily. And the Buddha taught just to sleep enough, uh, six hours during the night and no more than one hour during the day should be enough. Or if one's energy and effort is more than this, then five hours at night and one hour during the day should be enough. So may you try this out. May you uh, train yourself like this and see for yourself. So practice to eat, eat uh, enough sufficiently, to sleep sufficiently, and to train the mind not to get lost in liking or disliking of sense objects. This is the way to see the Dhamma, practicing in this way. This is the way to practice, to understand Nibbana, to see Nibbana. And in this way, the practitioner can see all phenomena as ever-changing, stressful and not self. When we uh, practice in this way, then we can see what we're lost in. When the mind is lost, we see what is it lost in. It's lost in the things that we like and are attached to. 
such as the bodies of ourselves or others, our own or others' bodies. We have a lot of liking and attachment to our own or others' bodies. So Lungpu Cha taught that this, uh, these, the object of vipassana, seeing clearly into impermanence, stressful and not self, it's like the, a type of uh, fungus or lichen called the old man's beard. It subsists just in the air. It doesn't have roots and it doesn't go into the soil. So not using any soil, it just takes sustenance from the atmosphere. So usually plants need soil, but this uh, lichen or fungus doesn't need it, just needs the air. So this is like seeing anicca dukkha anatta, getting sustenance from the air. And Lumpucha also taught that whatever feelings we have, whether of pleasure or of pain, uh, sukha or dukkha, in the mind, we train ourselves that it's something not stable, something impermanent. So if we have a lot of liking, we just train ourselves and say it's not stable, not sure. If we have a very strong disliking, we train ourselves that it's not stable, not sure. Whether we hate or love, we train ourselves that it's uh, not stable, not sure. And we keep our minds in the middle. This is the way to see the Dhamma. This is a story that I've told many times, that I was walking meditation and I had this desire arise in the mind to want to see clearly, know the path to see clearly, to understand the Dhamma clearly. And shortly thereafter, in the Dhamma talk, Lumpu Cha gave a teaching that the way to see and understand the Dhamma is this way of not liking and disliking. This is the way to understand clearly. And this clear knowing arises uh, bit by bit. If the mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom are not ready, then we just practice to build our parami, to build our knowing bit by bit. And this is the way to understand clearly, to see the mind, uh, or to see clearly in the mind. So practice in this way. And seek to understand the mind, to be careful with the outer sense objects, the six senses, which come into contact and are constantly uh, contacting the mind. We train our minds to be peaceful and collected. And then when the mind has wisdom established within it, then this wisdom can take care of the mind such that the mind doesn't get lost and proliferate uh, based on these sense phenomena. And then samadhi can arise easily. Whether sitting or walking, samadhi increases more and more. And when this occurs, then we understand the practice of dhamma. We understand it well. If the mind doesn't have sufficient energy to reach this level, then we build our spiritual virtues. We build our parami first and build up our five powers the powers of faith, energy and effort, mindfulness, concentration and wisdom. And these five powers, the first of which faith, having come to ordain, we have uh, faith already, but we can ask ourselves, we have this faith, but to what level do we have effort? 
to train our minds in a genuine and true way, then we need to have effort. And this is our duty. This is the work of the monastic Sangha to train our minds. So whatever duties or work you have regarding the monastery or the community, uh, don't miss out on your sitting and walking meditation. This is something you must do. This is your most important work as a monastic, as a renunciate. You need to find the time to do this sitting and walking meditation. You must uh, find the time to do the meditation. If you use your body too much uh, for work, then the body is very tired and it's uh, too weak to do uh, mental cultivation and meditation practice. So do just enough. Find uh, just the right amount in terms of work and using one's physical energy. And one must recall that the monastic sangha eats only once a day. So be careful with one's en energy usage. So for this practice, one needs bodily energy, one needs time, and one needs uh, motivation and energy in the mind as well. It needs effort in the practice. And doing this, then the energy improves in one's practice and the development of mindfulness improves as well. Regarding the four foundations of mindfulness, we may have had a lot of doubts about this in the beginning, but as we practice more, then we see for ourselves and doubts decrease. Worry decreases uh, by itself when we practice like this and confidence increases. We have mindfulness with the in and out breathing or with uh, Bhutto as the sole object of the mind. This is the Buddha Nusati, the recollection of the Buddha as our meditation object. And this is correct. Or we can practice chanting the Itibiso, the praises to the Buddha. When samadhi increases, then we can reduce the number of words and syllables that we're chanting until we eventually reach just one word, such as Bhutto. Or we can chant Sama Sambhuto, or just Loka we do, or just Sugato, or just Arahato. Whatever word we feel an affinity for, we can chant just that one word and understand the meaning of that word as well. Study the meaning uh, to gain a deeper understanding and appreciation for the meaning of the words. And this is recollecting the qualities of the Buddha to bring the mind to peace and stillness and to establish the mind well and firmly in this peace and collectedness. In this way, the confidence in the practice and the confidence of mind increases and the great teachers have taught to be, to be confident in this path, that this is the path to purity, this is the path to Nibbana. And then we can, when we understand for ourselves, then our energy and our faith increases. And this faith and belief is to one level. However, when the kilesas, the obstructions arise, then this faith uh, can decrease. So one must be careful with this. When the mind is peaceful and collected, then faith is firm, and we can uh, 
accept what the Buddha taught in the text because we see for ourselves these qualities of piti, sukha, ekagata, rapture, happiness, and one-pointedness. We see these clearly. Mindfulness becomes firmly established. Collectedness becomes stable. And then it's easy to contemplate. And then we can use impermanence as our object of vipassana. We see that all phenomena of the body, the body in all its aspects, arises, stays for a little while, and passes away. Just like the in and out breathing, the breath uh, in or out breath arises, stays for a little while, and passes away. As a layperson, I had the faith to practice the Dhamma, and I really wanted to know what is the object of mind in vipassana practice. So I went to ask one monk in the province of Chiang Mai in the north. And this monk taught, uh, he said, to understand uh, clearly that the in and out breath arises, stays for a little while, and passes away. And seeing this is the object of vipassana. This is seeing impermanence, stress, and not self. So practice in this way. And if the mind becomes collected and peaceful, then you see that everything is just samuti, just a convention. Really, there's no names to anything. There's no me or mine. And you see clearly the arising and passing away of phenomena. You see this clearly. This is the insight knowledge, the knowledge of wisdom arising. And when this arises, then faith becomes very firmly established. And this is the way to become free of suffering. And when this happens, then one has the energy to keep practicing, to keep uh, seeking out the Dhamma. One doesn't get tired or bored listening to Dhamma talks. One feels rapturous and full in one's heart when chanting. And one doesn't get tired of doing the morning and evening chanting every day. One's not tired of listening to Dhamma because one gains knowledge, gains more clarity regarding the Dhamma. And when listening to Dhamma, one feels that Nibbana is very close by. The kilesas, the five hindrances, are expelled from the mind. And the mind is pure and clear. So this is training the mind. This is the light of the Dhamma, the illumination of the Dhamma entering the heart, helping to purify the mind. So we practice in this way, and the mind becomes clearer uh, bit by bit. And this is something that we're capable of doing, capable of realizing this kind of peace. In the beginning, this samadhi comes and goes. But then as we continue to practice, then samadhi can be uh, consistent every single day. When sitting or walking, uh, the mind is peaceful every single time. However, while working, the mind may be less peaceful, but when one recollects one's meditation object, then the mind becomes peaceful right there into kanika samadhi or a, a temporary samadhi, a momentary concentration. Then when sitting or walking, then the mind enters upajara samadhi, a neighborhood concentration. And with upajara samadhi, 
the mind and body feel very light and at ease, then the mind gathers together. So when sitting or walking or doing alms round or doing various work, one can reach the level where doing any of these activities, the mind and body are very light and at ease. But if one reaches this point, one should be very careful because the kilesas, the defilements, become very subtle as well. And the defilements may tell us, oh, the mind is very subtle and peaceful. And one can simply contemplate the mind is not self. The body is something very coarse. There's no need to contemplate the body anymore. Just contemplate the mind in order to know the Dhamma. So samadhi is capable of suppressing and controlling the kilesas. However, these subtle kilesas can still operate uh, under the radar of samadhi. And one may not see the kilesas in action, even though the mind is very peaceful. And uh, However, if the mind is able to truly suppress the kilesas, then this uh, lightness, illumination arises in the heart. The mind is very bright and cool. Um, and with this bright mind that's very at ease and cool, then one can understand clearly and know and see the Dhamma. And then when the kilesas are subtle and obscure the mind, even when the mind is very peaceful like this, these are called the, um, the defilements of vipassana, the vipassana uh, kilesas. The things which uh, obscure the mind to prevent it from seeing clearly. The defilements of vipassana because the mind becomes lost in the way to see the Dhamma truly and clearly. And really this is something, this is about uh, the peaceful mind, the collected mind. And some practitioners can get stuck at this point um, because they, they don't feel a need to contemplate the body and just want to look at the mind due to the subtle influence of the kilesas. So this is something that the great teachers, the Krubhajans, understand already. So they're capable of telling us the proper way to practice. However, for the practitioner who may be stuck in this stage, with the stuck in the, the defilements of vipassana, they may become very stubborn and thick-headed about this because their mind is peaceful. It's like a kid that grows up and doesn't want to listen to the parents anymore. With the mind peaceful in this way, self-confidence increases. However, the great teacher, the Kubajan, will come and tell this person, no, this is the wrong way to go. You must contemplate the body. And contemplating the body in this way can bring one to the stage of anagami, uh, the third level of en enlightenment known as non-returner because this liking of the body, this being lost in the body as a self, as something beautiful, it's a very strong habit of the mind. So whether the eye sees the outer form like the skin, then one thinks the body is something good and beautiful. 
And the kilesas teach us that the body is attractive, that it's a self, that it's a me, a mine, or a you and yours. And in terms of Dhamma practice regarding the body, there are many types, many ways to uh, contemplate the body. One can contemplate it as not beautiful, as a subha, or contemplate it in terms of the 32 parts to separate out the separate out the body in terms of these 32 parts and see that there's something not beautiful and see that when the body's separated out into these 32 parts, one can't find a self in any of the parts of the body. However, with these parts gathered together, then the mind thinks that they're a self. This is because the mind is used to being lost in the body. The mind has been lost attaching to the body for a very long time already. But don't worry about this point, just keep practicing. In the beginning, there may be no need to contemplate a subha, the not beautiful aspects of the body. Just bring the mind to peacefulness first. Bring the mind to peacefulness, and then you can see and understand clearly. Or some individuals may also use uh, contemplation as the way to bring their mind to peacefulness. This is something some individuals may do depending on their character type because individuals have many different uh, characters and dispositions. For example, there was one new monk in the time of the Buddha and the preceptor taught him to contemplate the five body parts, hair of the head, hair of the body, uh, nails, teeth, and skin, as new monks are taught. However, this monk just couldn't practice in this way. So the Buddha gave this monk a special contemplation to contemplate a lotus flower. And this monk was able to bring his mind to peacefulness and collectedness. He contemplated that the lotus uh, degrades, it falls apart, it doesn't last. And looking at a lotus in a pond, um, he was able to contemplate and see this clearly and realize an arahantship, realize full enlightenment. Because this was his character type and this was a suitable contemplation for, uh, for his mind. So we can also contemplate the body as the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water and see it, see it all as something unstable, ever-changing. So train the mind in this way. Give rise to the wisdom that knows conditioned phenomena as they are, that there's something not stable, not sure, that we get lost in these conditioned things, that we uh, grow attached to them and have a liking or love for them but we practice to see that really these conditioned phenomena are impermanent, uh, suffering and not self. This is the way to purity. So we have had the firm intention, the desire to come ordain. So we have faith already. We have the time and opportunity to practice. And the laity offer the four requisites uh, for us to use. So may you strive in your practice of meditation uh, to practice with great sincerity and effort. This is our primary work. This is our main important work that we do as monastics. 
this mental cultivation is our primary responsibility. Other work that we do, whatever it is, is second to the work of mental cultivation of our meditation practice. So wherever suffering arises in the mind, right there is where we see the flavor of the Buddha's teaching. We get the flavor of the Buddha Dhamma. In the beginning, we bring our minds to collectedness and peace. We restrain our minds in uh, sense restraint, keeping it within the bounds of the Padimokha, of the monk's discipline. We restrain our body, speech, and mind. This is the way to peace. And in this way, the body and speech become uh, peaceful and restrained. And keep practicing in this way, and one cuts off one's doubts. Whatever worries we have, have kept us going in this endless cycle of birth and death, which only just bring chaos and troubles to our mind. So if we have a lot of worries, then practice to bring the mind to peace. And if the mind has a lot of anger or a lot of attachment, then chant a lot, chant it to be so, or chant Bhutto very fast. And doing this is capable of controlling the kilesas, the defilements of the mind. Or one can contemplate death, Maranusati, contemplate that death is something that's sure, death will surely come. And this can help cut off these defilements, whether uh, love or hatred, uh, worry or doubt, and bring the mind to peace. So practice not to worry about the past, not to worry about the future, but to be mindful in the present moment, to see clearly in the present moment. In the beginning, we really want to understand what the great teachers have taught us. So therefore, may you practice, do a lot of sitting and walking, do this a lot, have a lot of mindfulness. If you do a lot of walking, but your mind is just busy and thinking the whole time, then you don't get any fruits from this. What you need is mindfulness. So if you're thinking a lot, then do Bhutto or Itipi So uh, very quickly as well. Chant Bhutto very fast or chant Itipi So very fast. This is a way to make the mind peaceful, to control the defilements, to bring the mind to peace first and foremost. And when the mind becomes free of attachment to a degree, the mind becomes peaceful and uh, suppresses the kilesas. And when the mind is capable of becoming peaceful to this degree, one can then cut off the first three fetters of attachment to rites and rituals, attachment to identity view, and skeptical doubt. Having been born many, many times, we've clung to these fetters for a long time already. And yet we are capable of destroying these fetters and eliminating them through this Dhamma practice. We've had this sense of self and clung to this sense of self for a long time already. So may you have effort in your practice, uh, have effort in your meditation. Wherever it is that you have effort, that's where you will have success. If you have no effort, then this simply means that you're lost in the world, lost in the uh, sense pleasures, 
such as talking, uh, the pleasure of being in a group or with friends, or whatever the worldly thing is that one is lost in, this is, this is not correct, this is not the way. Or particularly for lay people, they may read a lot of news or spend a lot of time on social media, and this is a way to waste a lot of one's time. And if one uh, wastes a lot of one's time in this way, one may find that even chanting it to be so just nine times is very difficult, and one just falls asleep or just goes to bed. So this is not seeing the value in one's of one's time. So one should try anew uh, to practice anew. We have a very good chance in these lives of ours to practice the Dhamma. So we chant in the morning and evening. We meditate and sit meditation in the afternoon. We train our minds. We try to have effort. Whether we're alone or with a great teacher, we practice um, to have effort in this way, to build our hearts. Because whatever we build on the outer level, building a monastery, building a meditation hall, or building all the various uh, external uh, abodes and uh, things that we use for our bodies. This is all secondary to building the mind. So building the mind comes first. Building the mind and heart is primary. We build the heart to become firm and stable, to give rise to knowing, to give rise to effort. Because whatever the outer things are, uh, building up the monk is more important. And this is the sasana dhamma, the dhamma of the religion, to, which is the heart that has dhamma. So the religious, uh, religious objects, they come about uh, through the laity giving them. So for the monastics, what we need to do is to build our hearts because the monastery gets built uh, through the support of the laity, but building one's heart is something what, that one must do oneself. So this is the way of practice that is correct. Uh, restraint in body, speech, and mind, not getting lost in liking or disliking, eating uh, enough, knowing what's just right with eating, sleeping enough, knowing what's just right with sleeping, uh, restraining the mind not to get lost in liking or disliking. So practice in this way. Uh, don't stop. Practice continuously. And practicing like this, one is capable of seeing and understanding the Dhamma. So may all of you, all the monks and lady, may you be firm and intent in this practice.